The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pit Podcast. Get ready for contact. What's up, everybody? This is Dex with the I Am Pits podcast, and I am back with episode number 73. Part of my absence, I've been away for a little bit, been about almost two weeks. As you all know, I am still an active police officer. I'm still working, and so I was in training the last week. Man, I took a real awesome course. If any of you follow me on Instagram, you probably saw a video I posted of me somewhere in the mall getting ready, getting ice cream made and me wearing a COVID mask. If you're wondering why I was wearing a COVID mask, because you know how I feel about that whole COVID BS. Yes, I know it's real, but listen, I'm not wearing a mask outdoors. I'm not doing it. We did it. We had our time. We're moving on. I wore it because it was a disguise. As I like to say, I was in Cognigro. Man, I took this uh, awesome class put on by the Department of Homeland Security Hostile surveillance detection, man. It was real fun, dude. I mean, it's probably the most fun training I've had in quite some time. Going to the mall undercover and just acting like I was a terrorist, trying to, you know, figure out where I would go hit places and, you know, weak points and finding cameras and then going out as a good guy, trying to imagine where the terrorists would go, trying, you know, and then going out and doing the actual, actual practical exercise, the practical. Oh, so much fun, man. Really enjoyed myself. So if she saw me wearing that mask, don't judge me. Trust me. You know me. That ain't me. I ain't putting on no mask. (laughs) I'm just out here living my life. It has been a while since I've been back on, and I am happy to be back with you all. And I've had a lot of stuff go on the last two weeks. But boy, do I got some stuff for you all on this show, and you all are truly going to enjoy this one. I'm going a little deep on this one. I might get a little controversial. You know, might, might offend some people, but that's not my intent. But if you get offended, that's a you problem, not a me problem. I'm not holding back. So like I have said before, you know, I'm doing a lot of extra work right now. Been gone home from home a lot, picking up these extra jobs and overtime and volunteering and stuff, trying to get this money set aside and get that money right in Joe Biden's economy. So I've been working a lot of off duty. And well, I saw a job pop up the other day. For river crews here you know we got a boat that goes on the river and I remember working that cruise back in 2018 before the world went crazy back in the good old days man that cruise I worked that time it was so chill and relaxed it was like a bunch of old people and it was just a good time nice and quiet just gliding down the Ohio there was no worries no issues as a matter of fact I think it was a Halloween party but, but that was back in 2018. And as you all know, the world is completely different. But anyway, you know, I got to make some money. Like I'm trying to get this cash so we can go on vacation next month and go and have a good time. So I signed up for the job. And then next thing you know, my partner that I work with, he decides he's going to sign up for the job as well. And he's inquiring to me about it. He's like, man, have you worked this before? And I tell him, like, yeah, man. But it was 2018 the last time I worked it. But I mean, last time it was just nice, chills, like a little Halloween party, a bunch of old people just having a good time. 
there's no issues. So I'm just talking up this off duty job. I'm like, yeah, man, we're gonna know we're gonna go do this job, make this easy money. You know, it was paying a decent amount for what I was gonna be doing. It wasn't a whole whole lot, but it was more than enough because for the you no know, for a low stress environment, I would take what they were paying for no problems. The problem is six o'clock hits. I get down to the boat dock and I pull up and it looks like the old beat I used to ride, but it's not on land. It's on a boat. And when I say my old beat, I used to ride. I used to ride and patrol in the hood, y'all. And I still patrol real close to the hood. As a matter of fact, my police station is still in the hood. I know hearing that some of y'all have already lost it. You're judging people, Dexter. You can't do that. Let me tell you something. What I'm about to say is going to be very controversial. It is not me being racist, discriminative, prejudiced, insensitive, or me stereotyping. This is me telling the truth. And if you are offended by the truth, like I said earlier, that sounds like a you problem and not a me problem. I am not worried about your feelings because I'm coming to you with facts. And the thing is with this whole thing I'm about to go into, this triad, even black officers are afraid to say this. They don't want to lose their black card. And you got some of them that know how sensitive we black people can be about, you know, certain things. And especially when you call black people out on their foolishness, but well, we get really offended. And so what I'm going to say is not politically correct, but it is the truth. And I'm going to back it up with you with known facts. Like I said, this is not me just coming at the black people and black community saying black people are horrible. That's not what I'm saying, y'all, because I know that's where some of y'all are thinking and thinking is going. That is not the case. I'm telling you all my experiences from what I know as a 12 year police officer who has spent most of his time policing in black neighborhoods. And not only have I been a cop in a black neighborhood most of my career or just in downtown, I have worked a lot of clubs. I have worked at a lot of bars and I've worked a lot of concerts and parties. I have worked at a lot of black gatherings and I have seen a, unfortunately I have seen a lot of dead black people in clubs, concerts, gatherings. I have even responded to shootings at black funerals and man, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. You can't even tell your loved ones goodbye properly without somebody acting a fool and starting shooting at a freaking funeral. I remember that one too, man. It's, uh, it's frustrating. And I mean, the the club shootings that I've responded to, I mean, those things still stick with me. I can't tell you the amount of uh, clubs I've gone to where I was working as an officer on the side, making extra cash and somebody starts shooting. Next, you know, we got multiple dead bodies. You know, I remember the juice bowl a couple years ago. I think it was like maybe 2015, 2016 here in Louisville. It's a football game played in uh, Shawnee Park, man. It's in a black neighborhood. I mean, we get shots fired at the football game. Next thing you know, we got like multiple people shot and I believe it was like three black dudes dead. And it's just like, you just see this so much and this becomes the norm and all you see and that's what you expect. And you hate it because you know we are better than this, dude. Why do we keep doing this to ourselves? So, and I mean, I remember the shooting we had at, I didn't make, make the shooting. I just, my friends made it. I wasn't working that day and I wasn't in that division, but it was at this place in Louisville called the Tim Faulkner Gallery. They had this young, beautiful college girl. I think she was like 
19 or 20 years old. You know, she was going to uh, University of Louisville. She was in college. She's at this party. Somebody acts a fool. Shots get fired. Next thing you know, she's dead. Her whole life cut off from her. Gone. She wasn't even doing nothing wrong. Just there to party and have a good time. And somebody acts stupid. And the next thing you know, she's dead. And her life is snatched away from her at an early age. And that's just, not just that. Her family, the tragedy of her family. The story of her family, man. Yeah, it was horrible. You know, this, the young girl's name was Savannah Walker. And months before the shooting and before she lost her life, I believe she lost her mother to cancer. So this young lady dies and she's left with her brother and her father. No, she leaves behind her brother and her father. Well, some years later, her brother kills himself. Not some years later, I would say maybe a year later, her brother kills himself. And then not long after that, I guess the father just tired of the grief. I mean, he lost his wife. He lost his daughter and then he lost his son. And then the father ends up dying. Just the a tragic family story, man. I still just the headlines from all those happening. Just you know, just my heart goes out to that family. But, you know, that we had that one. Then we had a club here in Louisville, Club Vibe. Man, I remember when that club opened up, I was like, man, it's going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. And it was on my beat. And like I said, it's not the people necessarily. It's the culture. It's the vibe. Well, I wasn't working there that night either, but there was a shooting at that club. Next thing you know, a young black girl was shot. And guess who shot her? Turns out it was Jack Harlow's freaking DJ. Y'all know who Jack Harlow is? He's the rapper here, little white boy rapper here from Louisville that's doing big things across the world, man, making music. Personally, I'm not a fan of Jack Harlow. I could care less for him. You know, he's got some bangers, you know, but it is what it is. But that's my style, not my thing, man. But, you know, this girl was shot dead in the club. You know, and I remember watching some of the security video, some of the footage from the cameras. And even after this girl is shot dead and shot dead in the club, you got people in the club trying to steal purses from people that, you know, were in the club. Like, I'm like, somebody's laying dead over here on the floor. You know, this, <laughs> this, there's, there's people in here trying to actively steal and capitalize on the carnage. And I was just like, my God. And not only that we had that incident at that club, I believe it was a couple years ago, we had an officer that was working at that club, a black officer that was followed home. Well, not followed home. They followed him from that club. And on the interstate, they tried to assassinate this officer. He pulls over. Man, they sprayed and prayed this his car. He gets out and takes cover. Not only that, they're on the interstate. They turned around and came back and sprayed his vehicle some more. And thankfully, he did not get shot. They missed every single shot they took at him. Thank God, because the last thing I would want to do is have to go to a an officer funeral for something like that. I have worked so many freaking mass shootings that have happened at these events. And unfortunately, typically, there's a lot of black people involved. Most of the victims, victims are black and the suspects are black. And because of this, and I'm going to say that no matter their color, no matter what color an officer is, Officers tend to avoid these type of events and these type of gatherings, especially in this current environment. Man. Nobody officers do not want to work in an environment where there is a potential for violence and where there's a potential for them to get involved in something that's going to go viral. And that's myself included. I, mean, I avoid working bars and clubs in general. I don't care if it's all white, black, Hispanic. I don't care. 
just the vibe, man. Nothing good happens at nighttime when people are drinking and in large gatherings and groups. It's a very, very high liability that officers take on working these jobs. But if you like me, if that money's right, hey, I'm all in, bro. Count me in, homie. Put my name down on the list. Tell me where to be and I will be there. Because I said, I don't see black and white. I see green. And so typically, black police officers run the security for black clubs and concerts and all that's good stuff. And they typically hire other black officers to work these jobs because black officers are more familiar with the environment and the culture. You know, it's a very hands off, let the people party and do their thing type of security gig and don't get involved unless truly needed. You know, if a brawl breaks out on the inside of the club, guess what? We're not allowed to go in necessarily because they have security on inside of the club for that. When typically, typically when we get hired for these jobs, we are in the parking lot and we take care of the business in the parking lot. But if a giant brawl breaks out inside and it gets out of control and people start getting hurt, then we go in. But typically we don't go in. So, yes, a lot of uh, black officers mostly work these jobs. But guess what? There's plenty of white officers that work these jobs, too, because the dudes in blue, white or black, everybody want to get that money. And if the price is right, you can put their name on the list and they will be there. And typically, not all the time, but most of the time, man, the jobs that occur at these gatherings where, unfortunately, where it's mostly black people, the rates are higher. And you're going to have to pay people a lot more money because officers are not going to sign up to go work at those places for what we would consider below the minimum wage for an hourly rate for officers right now. Working at a certain club or venue where crap is more than likely to happen. Not necessarily always, but the law of probability is not on our side. And so I'll go ahead and say it. A lot of like a lot of officers are afraid to say this. A lot of officers are afraid of losing that black card. A lot of people are afraid of offending people. But black parties and concerts do not have a great reputation because of this. I mean, it's a it's been a repeated behavior in a lot of places, a lot of areas. It ain't just here in Louisville, man. You can look across the country and look up any club shoot mass shooting at a club. And typically it's large portions of black people. And now I have, let me say this. Not all black parties into violence and murder. It's just not all of them do. I mean, they happen all the time. And it's a small percentage of them that do end up in murder or with the homicide or with like some sort of violence or some sort of large brawl. It does happen. And I've worked at almost every black club in Louisville and I have seen shootings and dead black people in every club in Louisville. That's black owned for the most part. I've seen these black clubs come and go and I am tired of seeing the black violence and black carnage in these clubs, man. It just gets hard. It gets hard. And I hate seeing it. And the thing that I hate the most, the sad part is that 98% man, hell, I'll go with 99% of the black people in the crowd that are there. They are just there to party, dance and have a good time. They don't want no drama. They don't want no stress. They just want to get their drink on get their smoke on, start chatting with the girls at the bar and try to take somebody home with them at the end of the night, like any other freaking club or party or concert in the country. But there's always that small, small percentage of idiots that do something stupid. 
And when I say small, it is very small. Man, it's either one or two people or you have a small group of ignorant fools that come in and ruin the entire party for everybody. That is always the case. Always the case. I mean, you will have a thousand people at a party somewhere and there will be it'll be one or two people that do something stupid, start shooting and everybody leaves out. And the party's over. Party's been crashed by two idiots. And guess what? If it's an all black event, people are going to say, look, they at it again. They're doing it again because that is all the people see. They don't look at the 98, the 99, 98, 99% of people that didn't do anything wrong. They look at the one or two and then they blanket the entire you know, culture and the entire people based off of those two idiots. And I'm going to say this. After these shootings, typically, and it don't necessarily have to be at a party, but I'm specifically re- referring to clubs and gatherings with law that are a lot of black people man after these shootings and these incidents occur and i'm pulling like seeing security and i am talking to people that were there at the party and just trying to get information or just like just kind of you know just chatting with them figuring out what's going on there's always a couple black people that come up to me and ask me man officer what happened and these people, you know, they're upset, man, because they came here to have a good time and now their good times ruined. Or it's party promoters that are like, you know, they invested all this time and money to make this event happen. And some knucklehead ruins it for them, man. And all the black people I talk to always come up to me and have this one thing that they say to me. Niggas. That's exactly what they say to me. That has been said to me by black people more times than I can count. If I had a penny every time a black person has said that to me in reference to a shooting at a club or some sort of gathering or some sort of concert, it's always that. I would be a millionaire if I had a penny for every time a black person has said that to me about another black person during a shooting at, a, at one of these events. And I'm not saying that word to be obnoxious. I'm really not. And I don't want you to be offended. All I'm doing is telling you what I know from my experience, from 12 years of experience, that this is what is always said to me. Always. I can count on it. And these people are super upset about it because this one ignorant fool or this group of ignorant fools ruined it for everybody, man. Always the case. You know, and it reminds me of the uh, Chris Rock stand up from years ago. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all going to get offended, but I don't care. It's Chris Rock's words, not mine. In the stand-up, Chris Rock says, I love black people. I love me some black people, but I hate niggas. Yeah. Chris Rock, that's, yeah, that ain't me saying that. That's just me stating what Chris Rock said, y'all. Man, and <laughs> I remember I was, a, I was not a cop when he said that. So, you know, I never really understood that saying and why he was saying that but once i became a cop and started working in the black neighborhood and seeing the issues that plague the black neighborhood especially these types of parties and these types of events now i see why chris rock says that because like i said 99 percent of the people at these parties are just good every average everyday regular hard-working black people man just want to have a good time just want to cut loose and you got that one that goes and ruins it for everybody And now I know what some of y'all are thinking, man. This is super offensive. Oh, my God. I'm going to report you to the Chief Dexter. I'm going to report you for this. No, I don't care. I really don't care because you know why? There's facts upon facts upon facts to show and prove 
that, that the amount of shootings and violence and crime that happens in these large democratic areas, mostly committed by black people, unfortunately, against other black people. You know, it's the pink spotted elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about or say anything about because it's not politically correct and everybody's afraid. But guess what? I ain't afraid. You can go ahead and report me to internal affairs and all that. This guy, officer guy should not be an officer. He's a horrible person. Listen to this last podcast he put out. He's dogging on the black community. He doesn't care about black people. That's not the case. If I didn't care about y'all, I wouldn't say anything. And I would just let you all keep doing what you're doing. But I speak out because it's wrong and I hate seeing it. And I hate seeing black carnage and black death. I made a shooting the other day. And I'm not going to talk about it because it's still an ongoing investigation. Two people here in Louisville, man. It was a brutal killing. Man, awful. Horrible. Just breaks my freaking heart. Because I care. I hate seeing I hate seeing it. And because I see it every day, I'm so numb to it. But just because I'm numb to it does not mean that I don't care. So you don't say anything to anybody if you don't care about them. When you care about people and you care about somebody, you acknowledge them and you acknowledge their behavior and you call them out on it. If you got a friend that's smoking crack and you know it's bad for him, guess what you're going to tell him? Hey, man, you should probably stop smoking crack. That's not good for you. It's the same with my kids. I, you know, if my kids are playing in traffic, I go yell at my kids and snatch them up by the neck and tell them not to play in traffic and tell them why. Not because I want to hurt them, because I want them to see that what they're doing is wrong and it's going to get them hurt or somebody else hurt. That's it. So you can report me to the chief. You can report me to IA. I don't care. Y'all know me. I'm exercising my First Amendment rights on my own free time. It is what it is. You coming at me, come at me, bro. I really don't care. You know, if there's somebody you should be mad at, it should be the people in these neighborhoods making victims of black people, the, the actual criminals. That's who you should be mad at. So if you're going to report me. That's fine. But, you know, don't be a hypocrite. You no, know, make sure you report to other people that are actually out here hurting people. And that people like me that are cops out here actually helping people trying to solve crime and bring justice to people that are hurting. And the only reason I'm actually really focusing on black people with this opening in the podcast is because this is what I know and this is what I have seen my entire career. But that's not to say that it's just black people. It's not, man. I've Y'all have heard me say it before. People are going to be people. And guess what? White people have the same problem too. Hispanics, Asians, everybody's got it. Everybody's got that small segment of their culture and their population that just don't know how to act right. And we, no, we ain't no different. White people ain't no different. Nobody's any different. And it's the same at most all concerts. But it all depends on the artist and the type of music they do and the crowd that they bring. No, it's the same. Like it's the same with black concerts and white concerts. It's really no different. Man, if you tell me that there's an R&B concert coming, it's going to be an older black R&B artist singing some slow jams. It's going to be like Keith Sweat. I would say R. Kelly, but yeah, he gone. <laughs> or some other famous 90s R&B artists. I can tell you now that's going to be an older crowd. They're going to be really chill and relaxed, man. They just want to have they just want to go vibe out, have a good time with their lady and then go home and smash each other. That's it. That's literally it. But if you get a younger artist and he's his music is very violent, talks about gangs and shooting people in the face and selling drugs. Guess what? You know you're going to be in for a long ass night if that's who's coming to do a concert and people are coming because he's going to bring that type of clientele to that venue. 
That's just common sense. It ain't me being, ain't nobody being racist. It's just telling you what it is. I'm, I think I might have talked about it on the podcast a couple, I mean, maybe last year. But it was, I worked a concert at 4th Street Live. And as I was there working this concert, I didn't know who it was. All I knew the, knew was the guy's name was Cole Wetzel. I, ladies and gentlemen, I don't listen to country music. I have no idea who in the whole hell Cole Wetzel is. But I knew we were in for problems when I heard the artist and I heard the fans yelling, F. Cole Wetzel, which is, I guess, part of his slogan or catch slogan for her, for his music. And then I looked at the gate at the people coming in and all I saw were pit vipers, mullets and cut off shirts. I even remember looking at this one couple. I mean, this dude had a mean mullet. I mean, it was impressive. And the girl he had with him had on this white dress and I could just see the snarl on his face and just their, their whole vibe, just the way they were walking and interacting together. I was like, they're going to get into a domestic later tonight. He's going to beat the hell out of her at some point in time during this concert tonight. And well, guess what? A couple hours later, I get a call on my little uh, cheap radio from the security shack that they got down there. Officer, we got an incident going on. We got a guy that's beating up a girl over here. Well, I get over there. And guess what? She's on the ground in the little hallway. Her knees are all cut up and scraped up. And, and you can tell that someone had beat the mess out of her. And as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, that's old girl from earlier that I saw come in with her boy. The dude with the mean mullet and the pit vipers. And then not long after that, a giant brawl breaks out in the crowd. And we got rednecks slinging fists and fighting. And we are outnumbered. There's like four officers and like a whole lot more of them. There's literally nothing we could do at that point. Nothing. And the thing is, people are going to look and hear this say, man, you judging people, man. You judging people. I'm not judging people. Listen, I've been doing this job a long time. I know how to read people. I know how to read crowds. I know how to read vibes and I can feel a positive or negative vibe, man. I know what I'm talking about and I am not wrong. And so back to the story of me coming, arriving at this boat, ready to work this party last night. And so after seeing the crowd, I immediately call my partner that's going to be working with me. And I tell him that this is not what I thought it was, man. And I remember I, I opened up the app to where I signed up for the job and I was looking at the, the job description. They did not give you a description of who or what type of party it was and what they were doing. It was just a blanket. Hey, cruise this time to this time. We need these many officers. And I signed up like I signed up thinking it was going to be an old folks cruise on the river. Just super chill, super laid back. And like I said, because of the pay rate, I assumed that's what it was going to be. And ladies and gentlemen, it gets worse. My partner pulls up to the dock in his car, gets out. He and I are there talking in not even 30 seconds. I put it on my children. It was like 30 seconds, 45 seconds at the most. Hey, officers, we got people fighting over here. Man, the boat has not even left the freaking dock. I mean, people are just in line waiting to get on the boat. And we already got one knucklehead on here fighting. Man, we get over to him. His fingers bleeding. He's all cut up. And, and ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call a bad omen and a sign of things to come. And like I said, this, all this taking place, we ain't even on the boat yet. 
And then we get some more kind of bad news that lets me know this might not, might not have been a good idea, Dexter. You might want to back out. So I'm working with three other officers, but they're not LMPD officers. They're corrections officers. All right. And I'm talking to them and they had recently worked the boat, I think a couple days before or the week before. And they were telling me on their last cruise they were, man, they had a giant fight that broke out on the dance floor. Same crowd. And I was like, what? Yeah. They were like, yeah, man, we had to arrest a couple people. I'm like, are you serious? Like, this is not, no, no, this is not what I want to do. This is not how I want to make money tonight. And then we get some more not so thrilling news. So I get approached by, I guess, the boat first mate or whoever he is. He's a guy that's kind of below the captain that's in charge of stuff. And he tells me, hey, man, your job tonight, I want you to walk around make sure that uh, people aren't smoking on the boat. And I was like, when you say smoking, you mean like cigarette smoke? He's like, nah, weed. I'm like, oh, God. Yep, another bad sign. <laughs> and as I'm talking to him, I look at the boat crew, and you can tell that these guys are still traumatized from the last weekend and the last few parties they had, I guess. And you could just see the stress on their faces and in their eyes. You could tell they didn't want to put up and deal with this either. It wasn't just me. So after learning all this, I decide, you know what, man? I'm calling the people that put this job out on the app. We got to talk about this this price. And so I called the uh, guy that runs the app and the company, you know, to hire the officers. And I was like, hey, look, man, this is what we got going on. We ain't even been here 30 seconds yet. And we already got people fighting. Listen, this pay rate, hey, we, what can we work out? Well, they bumped it up for us. And to the rate they bumped it up for us, I was like, hey, sir, I am all in. Thank you. Because there was no way I was going to be stuck in the middle of the river on the Amistad with all these people if they're going to be acting a fool and fighting. And we ain't got no backup. Nobody can come and help us. And there's more of them than us. Not doing I'm not putting myself or my fellow officers in that type of situation. But for the right price, yeah, you can have me. I'll, I'll take on a little uh, danger for that money. And as this is going on, it starts to rain. A storm rolls in. I'm just like, this is another bad omen. Like, oh, my God. Like, we haven't even started. And now it's raining. And, you know, the departure time gets delayed. And we're just sitting here like, dude, this is just the vibe is all off and not right at all. So we got the storm rolling in. And the next thing you know, we get more drama. I get more drama. Because because of all this is going on, I decided to go talk to the party promoter and the captain of the boat because i'm like hey we got a lot going on here and we need to i want to make an announcement to the people one of y'all make an announcement that we are not going to be tolerating any sort of foolishness on this cruise tonight that we're not doing it and so when i said this the party promoter i know who she is she's a black lady black female close to my age and i'm let's just say i used to go to church with her a long 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 time ago talking over a decade ago very familiar with her and I think because of my past associations with that church and somebody I was married to in the over a decade ago, probably not a big, the biggest fan of mine. That's absolutely okay. I really don't care. So I tell her this and she comes up to me and says, listen, you're not going to stereotype us like you do everybody else. I'm like, hold up, lady. I ain't stereotyping. Listen, I've been doing this job a long time. I was like, we haven't even left yet. And your group of people and parties already got a fight breaking out. This is not a good start. 
And then we just start going back into it. And here's the thing with me, y'all got to understand. Just because I am uniform don't mean that I'm going to let you talk to me crazy. Or get smart with me and get in my face and put your finger in my face. And she starts getting, starts going in on me. You and this and that, blah, 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 your attitude. You need to watch your tone and who, how you talking to me. And my thing, listen, just because I'm a cop and I'm in uniform and I serve the public, does that mean I'm a slave to the public? And that does not mean you get to talk to me any way you want to. You don't get to come up there and get in my face and disrespect me and think I'm just going to take it. And then she makes this comment. Well, most of the cops that usually sign to work here are cool. And then she's just looking me up and down in disgust. And I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm not most of the cops that you get to come and work here. And I told her, just because I'm in his uniform, don't think you can talk to me any way you want to. I'm not the one. You snap off at me, I will say something back to you. I don't care if it's unprofessional or not. You ain't going to just lay, let me lay down and trample all over me and think just because I'm in uniform, you got control of me and, you, and that you snap your fingers and tell me to be quiet. I'm just going to be quiet. You work for me. Like, no, no, no. You got it wrong, sister. You got it twisted. And I am nobody's slave. I am nobody's whipping boy. You got the wrong officer today. These other ones might be afraid of you. Might be afraid to say something to you, but I am not. I don't care. Like I say, I don't need this job. I do this job because I want to, because I love this job. I am here on my own free time on this boat trying to help you and your party have a safe time because, hey, I want I want the money. Let's not lie. But two and two, I'm here on my own free time. I don't have to be here. I chose to do this job. I don't have to do this job. I wasn't voluntold to do it. I did this because, hey, I got some stuff going on trying to make some extra cash for the family. And if I can do this by helping you and assisting you with your party, I don't mind. But you're not going to sit here and just crap on me and expect me to smile about it. And I guess when she realized that I wasn't backing down and that you ain't just going to talk to me anyway, she kind of walked away. She walks away. You know, we separate and split. So I'm kind of, man, my, I'm already at a 10. Like, dude, I'm not feeling this gig right now. And I was so close to just canceling, even for the money. I, was, I, I just don't want the drama, man. I don't want to deal with that. I like, you know, I like it to be smooth sailing, pun not intended. And so as we're waiting for the departure and just the the vibe is at an all time negative high. The dude that got in a fight comes back up to the dock. Homeboy is obliterated, man. I mean, he's been drinking. He reeks. He smells like a freaking bar and I'm not dealing with it. You know, he's already been put off the boat. He ain't coming back on. And him is like talking to a five year old. If you've never tried to argue with a drunk grown person, try it sometime. I guarantee you, you're like, it's like talking to a five year old. It really is. Hey, bro, what did I do, man? I ain't even do nothing. I ain't even do nothing. Dude sat down on the little pier, started crying. I'm like, look, homie, you're not getting on the boat, man. It's not happening. And he just wouldn't take no for an answer. But why? But why? Like, you're not getting on the boat, man. Look at your finger. You're bleeding. You're not getting on. Just go away. But. I let him talk to his peoples and they say, hey, somebody's going to come pick you up here in like 20 minutes and take you back to the house. But I came all the way from Indianapolis, man. I don't want to go back to the house. I'm like, look, dude, just go to the house. You could be going to jail for what? Like, dude, stop. Just go away. And you know how it's like you just don't want the drama. But drunk people, they just don't know. They just drunk. You can't talk with them. You can't reason with them. And he's just constantly going. Come on, man. Officer, come talk to me. I'm like, bro, there's nothing to talk about. I'm leaving. But officer, let me talk to you. And so as I'm walking away back to the boat, we're like five minutes from departure. 
I see him walking down the dock. And I was like, this fool better not try to jump on the back of this boat and get onto it. And I'm watching him, and I saw him stop and look at the boat. He was considering it. But I also think he was considering the fact that if he don't make it, he fall into that water. He ain't going to make it out of that water. <laughs> you know, so he walks off, man, and sits down on the pier. I get on the boat, and we get ready to depart. And then a change happens. I can't even explain it, y'all. It was a glorious change. The Lord was looking out for me up above. And being that this was on September 11th, I think all those who perished in 9-11 were looking down and said, Lord, please help Dexter and these officers going on this ship because we don't want him to join us up here no time soon. We need him down there. Man, I go on the boat and I see the female party promoter coming to me. She's got that look in her eye. I could tell she's not a fan of mine and she does not like me, but she got something to say to me. So I'm bracing and ready to argue again. But she says, look, officer, I don't know what's happening on the, you know, on this boat with other people, but that's not us. That's, that's not them. I know this crowd. This is a good crowd. This is a real chill crowd. A chill vibe. We're just having a 90s throwback party. And I'm like, hey, you know what? That's cool. So me and she and I talked and we both came to the agreement that the guy we put off the boat that got in a fight before was not coming on the boat. I said, this is her party. She says who comes and who goes. And she and I were in agreement that that one idiot, that one moron was not coming on this boat. Because as I told y'all earlier, it takes one person to ruin it for everybody. It only takes one spark to burn down an entire freaking forest. And so the boat starts to pull off, man. But as we're getting ready to pull off, the freaking storm clears out. The clouds open up and it's a freaking nice sunny day. And we look on. We look down the Ohio River east, and there's a freaking double rainbow, beautiful double rainbow. Man, and I don't know what it was. The vibe changed. People are smiling, coming out on deck, taking pictures of the double rainbow. And then we take off and start down the river, and then the music started. Man, the crowd was so good and so chill. It was such a great crowd, such a great party. The DJ was on point, but just playing all the old school 90, 90s hits for me. Just some new addition. I mean, it was just great playing some of the juvenile, back that ass. I, I mean, it was, I mean, these people were on this boat, they were having a ball. They were having a blast. And I was having such a good time, my partner and I. I mean, we had, and the other officers, we had such a good freaking time. Everybody was talking to us and chilling with us, joking with us. And, Man, everybody had such a great time. I mean, it was well, well, well worth the money. And I mean, not even the money. For me, it's the fact that I see so much that happens within the black community from 12 years of policing there. And for me, when a group of black people can come together and have a party and have a good time and there's no violence, there's no fighting, there's no death, there's no murder. That makes me happy because I've seen the complete opposite of it over 12 years and that breaks my heart. I said, just the day before, I was on a brutal shooting and just seeing, looking at these two dead black victims. But today, I'm seeing black people happy, dancing, having a good time, not a care in the world, not a worry. And let me tell you something, y'all, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, man. It was so wonderful to see that and feel that and be in that environment. Nobody, I mean, just zero drama. Nobody had a care in the world about what was going on in the city. They were just on this boat cruising and having a good time. And this party promoter, 
right when the boat was getting ready to redock, I walked up to her. I was like, you was right. This is a good crowd, and thank you. And because they were on the boat, and the DJ was like, hey, the people that are on this boat are the right people, a.k.a. referring to the guy that was not on the boat <laughs> because that one guy already fighting with people, he would have destroyed that entire cruise and ruined that entire experience, man. I mean, you had grandmas up on the top floor, 60, 70 years old, up there dancing and having a good time laughing and joking. I mean, it was, ah, it was a great time, man. Great time. More love, less hate. And she and I, the party promoter, we're definitely never going to be friends, but I think we had a mutual understanding and respect after that point. I'm sure if she see me in the streets again, she's going to give me that stank eye like, mm, that's that officer. But the other party promoter dude, the dude was super cool, man. He and I, chilling and vibing. They thanked me. Hey, man, thanks for being cool and, let, you know, thanks for being on the boat. And he made a new friend, man. I made a new friend that works at the freaking distillery downtown where I work on my beat. So, man, I told him to stop by and holler at my boy, man. Shout, shout out to Junior. Hope you're doing well, my dude. And so people hear these stories and they're like, dude, why do you work these things in these parties? You know, I, I'm at that point in my career where I'm 12, going on 13 years in, where I really don't want to. And I'm also at that point where working a lot, I can do it, but I don't want to because I want to be home with my kids and my family because that is my priority. But my wife and my kids, you know, it, it costs money to be, you know, to have a family. And I don't like I'm not broke. I'm not poor. Far from it. We are we are well off. We we're good to do. I could not work these extra jobs and I could go on about my life and we my me and my family would be a OK. But that, that's just average. I don't want average for my family. I want my family and my kids. You know, I want my kids to have access to things that I didn't have access to. I want my kids to have experiences that I did not get. And because if I want that, guess what? I have to go work extra. And so I don't mind working extra. And I have been working extra a lot lately because I've told y'all we got this, you know, vacation coming up. And I want my kids to have a good time when we go on vacation. I don't want money to be an issue. So daddy going to go go to work. But man, while daddy's at work, guess what? Daddy is missing home and daddy is missing his babies, Brooklyn and DJ. More specifically, my son, because he and I, my God, he's six years old. He's a boy. If any of you all have boys out there, you know how little six-year-old boys are. Six-year-old boys are six-year-old boys. And me and this dude have had a rough two weeks. And this all started a couple weeks ago when daddy was out working a lot. So I come home two weeks ago, and I'm sitting down in the basement in my recliner, unwinding. You know, my wife is, it's a Friday night, and my wife comes in. She's brought me some Alani New energy drinks. They're freaking delicious, man. So good. And so I'm chilling and relaxing. I'd already worked that day, 12 hours. I was going to be at home for about three, four hours before I go to another job overnight. Working a side gig at a construction site. And so my wife comes in with the Alani New energy drinks. She gives it to me. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much, baby. Thank you for thinking about me. So I crack open the Alani New energy drink. And I kind of doze off and go to sleep. And I know what you're thinking. How you go to sleep drinking an energy, energy drink? I'm over-caffeinated just like everybody else in America, especially in the law enforcement profession. So I drink the Alani New. <laughs> I pass out. And I get up, get dressed, and go to work. I come home after having worked seven hours overnight. And I hate working nights. I hate it, but I do it so I can be home during the day and be with my kids on my days off. And so I'm still making an extra cash, right? So 
I am absolutely wrecked after working overnight and I lay down and go to sleep. And so I wake up, it's around like 12, one o'clock, you know, my wife's working in the basement in her little office and my kids are at school. And I said, you know, I'm gonna be productive, man. I'm gonna go down to the basement and I'm gonna start cleaning up. You know, it was Friday night. My kids, every Friday night, they always have movie night. We sit in the basement and watch movies and eat popcorn and just have a good old family fun time. And so I'm cleaning up the area and I pick up my Alani new energy drink. And in my mind, I couldn't remember if I drank it all or not, but it was full. You know, it's still some in there. So I'm like, oh, my Alani new. I'm going to finish this off real quick since I just woke up. I needed another burst of energy that don't work because I'm over caffeinated. <laughs> so I pick up the Alani new. I open my mouth and I turn it up. And when it hits my tongue, my taste buds explode and I gag and cough and spit whatever it was in the can all over the place. My tongue is burning and I don't know what the hell is going on in this can. I know this thing was left open overnight, but there is no way that this thing has gone rancid that quick. It's not even been 24 hours. And so... I'm sitting here and I go to the bathroom and I'm like, I'm pouring this energy drink out and it's yellow. And I'm like, why is this yellow? And I start thinking, is that piss? And so while I was at work, we had a really, really bad storm that came through. My son is six years old and he is terrified of storms. He's terrified of being in the basement. Well, he and my daughter were in the basement during the storm, you know, so they, my wife calls me and she tells me, hey, the kids are in the basement and they're scared of the storm. And I'm like, well, tell them don't be in the basement. But she said, hey, you know, they want to watch the movie. Like, well, watch the movie. I don't know what to tell you to do, kiddos. I mean, you're either going to come upstairs and go in your rooms or you're going to stay downstairs in the basement and watch the movie with the storm. And I just realized I said something incorrect. It, this is a Saturday. but So my wife is not in her office and my kids are not at school. But my wife is out somewhere with the kids. I don't recall where they went to. They were, oh yeah, that's right. They went to, uh, my son has jujitsu on Saturday mornings. So my wife is at jujitsu with my son. I guess they were in the car driving home. When I call her after I had this incident with this freaking piss filled energy drink can and she's in the car and I was like, Hey baby, put DJ on the phone. And I tell DJ like, Hey, listen, if you lie to me, we're going to fight. Did you pee in a can last night in the basement? And he always, when you ask him a question, he don't want to answer. He always goes, hmm. And I heard them like, DJ, do not lie to me. You're not in trouble. If you lie to me, you will be in trouble. And I say again, DJ, did you pee in daddy's energy drink can last night in the basement? I did, but I was scared. What were you scared of? The storm. I had to go to the bathroom, and I didn't want to go because of the storm. Ladies and gentlemen, from where they are in the basement living room to the bathroom is like maybe like 15, 20 feet. Man, I know, no, I'll go maybe 30 feet. But I'm sure being a six-year-old in the basement watching a movie with your sister and you're scared, mommy's upstairs and there's a storm going on, you're terrified of storms, that might as well have been a mile to him. So instead of going to the bathroom, he looks over and finds daddy's empty energy can he picks it up and pisses in it and puts it on the table and guess who's working the next morning cleaning and picks it up and takes a giant swig 
of his son's own urine. That little bastard. Oh, my Lord, man. My tongue was burning the entire day. And I could not. I mean, it was so horrible, so bad. You just can't make this stuff up. This is the life of being a dad and having a boy, a six-year-old son. But it don't end there. Me and him, had to, we, I had to throw down with him the other day, man. I had to break out the black leather belt and had to discipline him. And it hurts my heart, but I had to. So this story with DJ, we're going to call this Life with DJ, my boy. So And so while I'm at work the other day, my wife calls me and says, Hey, Dex, just so you know, the neighbor's kids are coming over for a couple hours. Their mom's going to work somewhere. And we're going to watch them. So I get home from my shift that day, and I walk in. And the kids are all there. There's two of them. She has like four or five of them, but we were only looking at the two of them. So mom comes and knocks on the door, comes inside, and I don't know what happened between the boy and the girl, but they start yelling and arguing with each other. Next thing you know, they start throwing bags at each other and shoes and yelling and screaming at each other. Mom intervenes and says, hey, you two stop that right now. You don't act like that. And they start yelling at mom. No, you, you stop. You don't say that. And I'm just looking like, oh, my God, what? And, oh, they just yelling at mom, disrespect the mom like it's all right. And I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no, not in this house. And I'm just watching, and mom's trying to take control of the situation, and they're back talking and snapping at mom. And then they get in the car and leave. And as they're pulling out the driveway, I go inside and look at my son, who was there upstairs and witnessed this entire debacle. And I look at him, and I said, DJ, don't you ever get any ideals of thinking you can talk to your mother and disrespect her in that way. Because if you do, guess what? I will break your neck. He looks at me and acknowledges, yes, sir. Yes, daddy. I was like, what am I going to do if you do it, sir? You're going to break my neck, daddy. Exactly. Don't get any ideals, sir. So I go to sleep and I have to work the next day. I get up at like six o'clock and I get dressed and I go to work. So I'm sitting in my patrol car and it's around like 730. And my wife calls me and says, you need to talk to your son right now. And I inquire, yo, what is going on? And she tells me, I am here in this office trying to work. And this boy is up here getting mad and upset because he wants a grilled cheese sandwich. I told him, mommy does not have time to make a grilled cheese sandwich right now. Mommy's working in her office. And she says that he yells at her, I want a grilled cheese sandwich. And she says that she tells him, just make a regular cheese sandwich, DJ. Well, DJ decides he doesn't want a regular grilled cheese sandwich. He throws the cheese on the floor and starts yelling and screaming and back talking at his mother. As soon as she told me that, Christina, put that boy on the phone right now. FaceTime me. Man, she FaceTimes me and she hands him the phone and he's crying. And I see these tears in his eyes and I see fear. Fear of his father who just told him. The other day, not even 24 hours ago, don't you ever talk to your mother and disrespect her like that. That is not acceptable. You know what's going to happen if you do. So he's on the phone crying. Daddy, I just wanted to grill cheese. Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh. No, sir. Did you disrespect your mother? Yes. Why? I just wanted to grill cheese sandwich. DJ, you know what's going to happen next, don't you? You're going to break my neck. I was like, I will see you when I get home. So I finish my long 12-hour shift. I drive home. And to my surprise, 
when I pull in and I open the door and go inside, my son is, you know, walking around playing. He's smiling and having a good time. You're like, nothing ever happened. Because I know me personally, but when I used to get in trouble and my mother would say, wait till your father would get home. There was no playing and there was no having a good time. I was literally in fear the entire time thinking, you know, this dude's going to kill me. Oh, my God. Like, like I would just look at the clock and the clock was like moving so fast. And it was like you knew you were going to die at a certain time. And you were just waiting. Like there was no fun or happiness to be had. But, but this little guy, I don't know what it is with this generation. This kid, he thinks, oh, it's going to be cool, man. He ain't going to do nothing to me. I'm guessing he's thinking that I forgot because it's been so long. So I walk in. He says, hi, daddy. And he's just smiling. I'm like, oh, okay. So I go to my closet. I pull out my black leather belt. So I see him. I'm like, DJ, go to your room. And so he goes into his room. I go in. I close the door behind him. And I have the belt in my hand. He's looking at me holding the belt. But he still doesn't have that fear that he had in his eyes that he had on the phone. Because I guess he thinks we're just going to talk. And so I start talking to him. And I tell him, you don't ever disrespect your mother. What did I tell you the other day? You don't talk to your mother like that. You don't act like other kids. More is expected of you than that. We are not them. You will not ever talk to your mother like that. Do you see me disrespect your mother and talk to her like that? No. So what makes you think you can do it? I expect more out of you, sir. You're a pit that you're my son. That is not what we do. And he's smiling like, yes, sir. Yes, daddy. Yes, daddy. And he thinks we're done. I think he, he really in his mind thinks we're just going to have this conversation. And I think he thinks that I brought the belt as a prop, not as an actual discipline measure. And so I'm done talking. I'm like, put your hands on the bed. And that fear comes back in his eyes and he realizes this is real. He's really going to discipline me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I don't have to touch my kids hardly ever. I don't like doing it. I hate doing it. But you know what? I'd rather me do it now than somebody do it later. So he puts his hands across the bed and I deliver him three hits on his butt with the belt. No, it's not child abuse, people. Child abuse is me picking my son up, body slamming him, breaking a bone, climbing on top of his bed and dropping an elbow on him and giving him a black eye. But that is child abuse. And the problem with America is we don't discipline our children, period. We think that even the slightest form of discipline is child abuse. No, not the least bit. I hit him three times on his butt with the belt. And I ask him, just like my daddy used to do me, you going to do it again, boy? You going to learn your lesson? You going to talk to her like that? You think you could do that? Man, my dad used to wear me out. Like, I literally, like he would hold my hand. And I would be running trying to get away from him, flailing. And he's just wearing me out each and every way. I mean, I don't know how many times this dude would hit me. I mean, I would catch it on the back, on the chest, on the butt, on the legs. There was no getting away, man. And I say, I'm, I'm, I'm a gentler and softer kind of man than my father. Not that my father was an abusive father, but, you know, he, he ain't hold back. I, I held back because I don't want to inflict that much pain on my child. But I do want to inflict some sort of discipline measure. But, but those three hits were enough, man. And, and them crocodile's tears came out. He started crying, and he, he was sorry. And I looked at him, and I was like, you go to your mother right now, and you tell her you are sorry. And remember, don't you ever talk to her like that again. Don't ever disrespect your mother. And so he goes, Mommy, I'm sorry. I disrespected you. I'm sorry. And so things kind of settled down at this point. You know, he's still in his moment. 
dealing with everything that's happened. And he's in the hallway, and my daughter's in her bedroom acting like she's asleep. I know she ain't asleep. She in there listening to it all. And I take it as a moment. I talk to both of them. She's in her bed. He's in the hallway. And I tell both of them, look here. I don't care what your friends are doing at school. I don't care what they're saying to their parents. Neither of you will talk to your mother or I like that ever. Brooklyn, I tell my daughter, that's my baby girl. She's so sweet. I was like, you're a good girl, but let me tell you something. Don't you even get the ideal or thought of ever thinking you could talk to us like that. She don't really give us problems. You know, she's just, she's a nine-year-old girl. She's so helpful, so sweet. But she's still a kid, man, and she's going to come into the teenage years. But I got to go ahead and lay that groundwork now and let her know. We ain't playing them games, man. But, you know, so she, you know, she's like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, she saw she saw what happened to him and she she know better. She know I will do it to her. But the thing with my daughter is and you have to realize with your kids is you can't punish your kids the same way because one kid might not respond to a spanking. The other might. My son, I've talked to him before and he'll respond, but he'll think it's a joke and he he will think it's not serious. And you got to go. You got to get physical with the little man. My daughter, I don't have to whoop her. She cares so much what I think about her and how I hold her and how I see her that all I have to tell her is I am so disappointed in you, Brooklyn. I expected more of you. You're nine years old. You're supposed to be responsible, you know, be getting more responsible. Why would you do that? And it just crushes her world. Man, me putting a belt on her and hitting her would do nothing, nothing to her. But man, when I, my words cut her deeper than anything. So if I tell her I am disappointed at her, her entire world collapses. Even when I start questioning her and asking her stuff about why did you do this? Give me the reasoning behind it. Explain it to me. I want to know why, you know, she gets, you know, she starts breaking down because she, that disappointment from me, that means the world to her. And I'm glad that I have her there at that point. I'm glad that my daughter looks at me in such high regard that she cares that much what I think. And that is like, that is an honor and a privilege for me as a father. I love that. And I know what? I don't want to lose that. The respect that she has for me, man, I want to make sure I maintain that at all costs. Because like I say, she is a really good girl. Just the sweetest little thing, man. I come in from work sometimes. She was, you're tired, daddy. Here, let me take your boots for you. And just, just here, here's a soda, daddy. And just, oh man, just, that's my baby. That's my baby, y'all. That's my girl. To any boys out there that might be listening in the future, just know I will break your necks as well if you can hurt my daughter or cross her because I ain't touching her. I'm not putting my hands on her. And, and that's the other thing, you know, kids, man, our kids are a representation of us. And so our kids, when they enter into their relationships, their relationships are going to be a representation of the marriage that they saw and the relationships that they saw between mommy and daddy. You know, my kids don't ever really see me and my wife argue. You know, there have been times we've had necessarily not necessarily argued but we've had some discussions that got a little heated but there was never no yelling and cursing and f you mother effort ah, should, you know we we don't do all that man that's never been our thing it's we we live in a house where we teach and we teach respect that is a must so dysfunction man when it runs in a family it gets passed down i grew up in a house where there was a lot of dysfunction and arguing in front of me and my sister my mom and my dad I've seen my mom and dad throw down. I saw my mom throw a VCR at my dad's head one time. And the only thing that stopped it was the cords plugged into the wall and the TV. 
It was like my dad was in the Matrix, man. He just could have stuck his hand out and it just stopped and fell like the bullets did. You know, I've seen my, my the police have been to my house when I was a young kid. And I remember my mom. <laughs> we were living in Radcliffe. And my mom just thought my dad, black Southern man, Pentecostal. My dad had all these crazy color suits like greens and reds and these wild color suits, man. <laughs> it, it just looked like they were arguing and. It was just like a rainbow coming down the stairs in our duplex. And you just saw these colorful suits flying through the air down the stairs. And, you know, I remember the Radcliffe police coming and knocking on our door and them forcing my dad to leave and just walk away. Oh, it just, you know, and I remember my mom would talk, say stuff to us about our father and just not good stuff, you know. And it was things that a parent probably shouldn't say to their kid. It was things that a parent shouldn't say to their kid about the other parent. Because, you know, dysfunction, you know, she learned that from somewhere. And guess what? She passed that down to me. But thank God, you know, I said, I'm on my third marriage. But and I I made a lot of those same mistakes in my first two marriages. But thank God that I have such a great wife now that that's not the norm in my house. You know, that stops with me. You know, that's not what my kids see. My kids see my wife and I hug and kiss say, I love you and go on trips and have fun. You know, my kids, that's going to be the normal baseline for my kids. So when my kids get in their relationships, when they get older, and if there's somebody yelling and cursing at them, I'm really hoping to believe they're going to be like, nah, play. We're not doing that. My mom and daddy didn't do that to each other. You ain't going to do it to me. So, you know, kids learn how to treat people and how they should be treated by how they see their parents treat each other. And so I'm very proud to say that me and my wife, we, you know, so we're not perfect, man. We have our issues and our struggles. And, you know, we've been married 10 years, man. It's always not, nobody's perfect, perfect, but we're not dysfunctional. And there's always a bit of dysfunctional, but certain degrees of dysfunction are just unhealthy. And we don't have that unhealthy dysfunction in our house. Thank God. As I'm not a perfect husband. My Lord, she will tell you all my flaws. I will tell you all, all my flaws and I will tell you all hers. And I'm going to have her on the podcast soon where you can hear from her, you know? So, man, it's just, I, I love my family. I love my kids. And the biggest thing for me is I want to get ahead of this now because I know that the world my kids are living in is a rough world. Social media, there's so many negative influences in life today. And if I'm not here putting these ne- these positive influences in my kids' life, teaching them what is normal and what is abnormal and what a normal, a good, healthy relationship and marriage looks like, they're going to go out into the world and learn it from the world. And I don't want that because I don't like what the world has to offer my kids. I completely disagree with most of the world is offering my children. And the fact that I'm disciplining my kids now at a young age, I'm doing that so that my future brothers in blue don't have to deal with bad ass kids, because that is the one thing cops say. We hate dealing with people's bad ass children. Oh, my Lord, man, when you hear, hear something on the radio and it's juvenile involved, everybody's like, oh, God, no, I don't, I'm not going. No, you're going. No, new guy. Hey, you're, you're taking care of that. Nobody wants to deal with bad kids, dude. Nobody. And when you don't discipline your children and teach them right, guess what you have? You have people like this young lady in New York City who thought it was a good idea, who thought that she had the privilege and the right to run up to a group of police officers trying to effect an arrest and arrest a murder suspect and decide that I'm going to get in this officer's face and shove him or she, no, she didn't shove him. She 
hit him. She slapped him. And the officer clapped back and knocked her cold out onto the ground. And now we got this giant uproar in New York City. That officer should have never hit her. That officer should have never hit a woman. So this whole incident, it came out. I, I told you, I'm behind, y'all. This show, I'm not a daily news show. If you want that, listen to Brandon Tatum and all the other people that are on daily. I am not on daily because I am having, I am working a career and raising a family. So if you don't want to hear what I got to say about this incident, you can just tune it off. But if you do want to hear what I got to say, just keep on listening. So this incident happened on August 12th in New York City. And from the New York Police Department, it says uh, they were trying to arrest a man in connection with an attempted murder on West 136th Street near Adam Clayton Powell Boulevard. And so while police were affecting the arrest, multiple individuals on scene interfered by physically assaulting numerous officers. The police department told TMZ one of the officers sustained a minor injury to the head. The woman has been identified as Tamani Crum, 19 years old. She's a hairdresser in New York City. And the guy that was arrested, I guess it was her boyfriend because she went in to go kiss him, it looks like. His name is James, and he was arrested for guns and weapon possession, along with resisting arrest and assaulting a cop. And I also heard that he was also a, a, a attempted murder suspect as well. So Crum, the young lady that was hit, she was charged with obstruction, but she was released from custody. And so, as you all know, this is a audio show only, not a video show. Maybe I'm hoping in the future to kind of start migrating a little bit towards the video side. You know, but so the video is pretty much used. Like I said, you see the officers physically arresting this guy and officers an officer has already been hurt because, you know, they're arresting this guy and they get swarmed by a crowd. There's nothing more dangerous as an officer when you're trying to affect an arrest and you get swarmed by a crowd. You don't know who's in the crowd, what their intentions are, what they have or what they want to see happen. You know, and so this young lady, 19 years old, decides to interject herself unnecessarily into this event. She had no business inter, you know, in, interjecting herself into. And I understand if it's her boyfriend, but. If this is going on and you decide I'm going to just budge into here around all these cops and I'm going to join in on this crowd that's already been violent towards the cops. And then you decide that, hey, I'm like five foot seven, like 100 pounds. I'm going to hit this giant black officer. This dude is massive. This officer is enormous. And so she hits him. He claps back. She goes down. And now they're making this big old, you know, stanky political argument about it, man. And it's it's asinine. It's annoying because now it's all she's a woman. A man should never hit a woman. Oh, because there's a cop involved now. We want to start saying that men shouldn't hit women. But just a couple weeks ago, y'all couldn't identify or say what a woman was. So now that we have something to benefit your political ideology that's extremely twisted and confusing, now you want to say that she's a woman and that this man shouldn't be hitting her. Funny how biology matters now. How convenient. Then the lawyer in this whole mess. Oh, my God. Like, ah, lawyers. I know not everybody's bad. Just like I was talking about black people earlier. Not all black people bad. I know that I, I, most of us are good, honest, hardworking people. Just the same with white people and any other race of people or creative people from across the world, man. We just want to work, live our lives, and be left alone. And I have a bias towards lawyers because I've seen a lot of scumbag-ass lawyers. And yeah, just lawyers, I just, I'm not going to get too far off on a tangent on lawyers 
being sneaky and sly. But I mean, this guy's clearly and let me say most of the lawyers I know are decent people, but there are certain lawyers that just are scum and will defend whoever, whenever. And yes, everybody deserves a chance to go to court and have their case heard. And everybody deserves to have a lawyer fight on their behalf. But my God, I don't know how some of these lawyers sleep at night. I really don't. I have no clue. But her lawyer being the blind scumbag that he is, he's alleging that, you know, he's trying to shoot down the claim that she was trying to interfere with her boyfriend's arrest and said that the cop was the aggressor. Ladies and gentlemen, I am going to drop the link to the video in the description of the episode. You can go watch it yourself. I'm sure most of you all have. There is nothing about that that says that the cop was the aggressor. The cop was reacting and defending himself after having unnecessarily been hit by this young lady. You know, then I saw the video of the mom hopping on there. My baby, she didn't deserve this. No, know what your daughter deserved, ma'am? Your daughter deserved a better mother. And your daughter, hopefully, I don't know anything about your situation. I don't know if her daddy's around. But clearly, from the way she's acting, more than likely not. That's what your daughter deserved. And I say, we want to put all this off on kids, like a lot of the stuff that's going on with the city and the juvenile problems we have. It's the kids making the decisions, but that's only because a lame, whack-ass parents that are not around doing their jobs. It's moms or women out here laying down with these raggedy men that ain't going to take care of these kids. And then next thing you know, you got mom out here raising this baby by herself and grandma helping. This kid has no correct upbringing. It's not getting learning respect, not learning honor and dignity. And then you had these kids grow up and act like this lady and think that they have the privilege and right to go up and slap an officer and then get shocked when reality hits back and they get snacked in the face. And that is also the culture that the media has created with this false you know, false belief that officers are evil, horrible people. That's not the case. These dudes were arresting a murder suspect, a criminal that she was in love with. And she felt that she was important enough to just inter interject herself into that. And look what she's got herself into. And so, like I said, she's been charged with that. And unfortunately, the cop is currently under investigation. Now, honestly, I think he's going to be cleared because it's a clear case of self-defense. But also... Thank God he's a brother. My God, my God, thank you. If it had been a white cop, bro, they'd be marching in the streets destroying the city right now. That racist white cop hit that young black woman because he's an evil racist pig. Like, no, that man was defending himself. And um, so I'm, that, that's the only shining light. Hopefully the NYPD steps up and grows a set of balls, as they would say in New York City, balls and do the right thing by this officer and clear this officer and get him back to work because this man deserves to be on the street working. Like who thinks that officers are like people have this belief that we're not allowed to defend ourselves anymore. Like people literally think they could just talk to us any way they want and do whatever they want and that there's not going to be any actions or consequences. And honestly, a part of that is on law enforcement as well to where we've, well, I'm going to say law enforcement leadership that have allowed this attitude to fester by not, by not addressing criminal acts and just letting people get away with crap. I mean, I'm, I remember a couple, I think it was last year, there's videos of you know, officers getting bottles thrown at them and buckets, water tossed on them and just walking away in shame, cowarding away. And that's because police leadership is weak right now in this country. And this is what you get with weak police leadership. You get 100-pound, 19-year-old girls thinking they can run up to like a six-foot-three swole ass black dude and think you can just hit this dude and you're going to be okay. No, because let me tell you now, I'm about six foot tall, 260. You run up to me, sweetie, and you hit me. I don't care who you are. 
you get in these hands. You catching them. And I'm not going to say the line that I've heard said all the time. I hate this line. I swear it on everything in my soul and my being. I hate when people tell me these lines. These hands is bisexual. Anybody can get it. Man, the next person that say that line to me is going to jail automatically for being for being disorderly and being annoying. I hate that term. Hate that term. So <laughs> this just draws the whole question of should a man ever hit a woman? And I know some this is a moral, cultural. It all depends on where you're from and what you were taught growing up. You know, I, I was never taught to hit a woman or not hit a woman. I was taught to just, hey, don't put your hands on nobody. Although I saw my parents put their hands on each other plenty of times, you know, but I ne I was never one growing up to where I was openly looking for fights and bullying people and hurting people. That's just not me. It's quite the exact opposite. I was always the target. I was always the furrow target that the bullies would like to see and pick on. So for me, it's a matter of, it's not a matter of should a man ever hit a woman. It's a matter of nobody should ever put their hands on anyone, period. And my thing is, I know we're in the age of woman empowerment and women, women are equal. And so if we're women are going to be equal in society now, which we always have been. But if there's no difference between a man and a woman, why the outrage when you have a giant black officer cold cocks a young black lady? There should be no outrage if there's no difference between men and women. I mean, you can't use your gender and your size as a defense to your behavior that elicited that response from that person. Now, there's a difference when you have a man that's in a relationship with a woman and he's an abuser. No man should ever put his hands on his wife or girlfriend or their daughter or daughter or daughters. I don't believe any man should just willingly just go and just start beating up women because he can. That guy is a punk. That guy is a coward. That dude is not a real man because you know what? If he saw me, he wouldn't do that to me. He only does that when he knows he can get away with it, when he knows he can overpower him, when he knows he's not going to have any resistance or pushback. That's what he wants. That's what a coward does. That's what a coward man is. And that's not the type of man I am. And that's not the type of men I want to be around. It's a different story if this little lady decides that, you know what, I'm going to challenge this dude. Or if you if you know you got a wife out there that's angry and aggressive and just always like throwing stuff at her husband and hitting him. Everybody has a right to self-defense, man. Nobody has to just sit and take abuse for years. I mean, man, my mom took abuse for 28 years and I never knew about it. And she ended up killing herself over it. Nobody has to take that abuse. And women, like I said, if you know you're smaller and you know you can't fight and you know you're not going to be able to take this dude, why start? Why go run up and smack him and then expect him to back down? And be, you can't get scared, man. Once you let the monster out the bottle, you got to deal with the consequences of that. You don't get to backtrack and use your size and your gender as a defense against your actions. Don't work like that. You can only hope that that man is the type of man that believes that no man under any circumstances should ever put his hands on a woman. Me, I'm not that man. I have picked up women before in this line of work justfully, justifiably, and slammed them to the ground. I've smacked women before in this job, justifiably, not because I wanted to, not because I had to. I was just trying to defend myself. And it's not been often that it's happened. I pepper sprayed women before in this line of work because I felt like that was more probably a better humane thing to do than for me to just co-cock this lady. 
who's extremely smaller than me. And, you know, a lot of people are saying that the officer, because of his size, he should have never did that. And that he's a trained officer and officer should be ashamed of himself. I'm like, no, you don't get to play the victim when you hit a police officer. And yes, he's trained. But guess what, man? That is a natural instinct and a natural reaction. And he ain't the only one. There's a video of this uh, white lady in a stadium being carried out by these guys, man. And she's drunk and flailing. And I remember, you know, she smacked the dog crap out of this officer. And this dude cocked back with one and laid her all the way out. And I remember them carrying that lifeless, pale white body up the stairs to its final resting place. Boy, he <laughs> he put her down. And I'm like, that's 100 percent justified. Now, if the officer would have just walked up to this lady and just knocked her out cold, that's a problem. But I don't have any problem with anybody defending themselves, especially when in uniform. Same goes for me. Dude, I remember the hardest I've ever been hitting this job. It's funny. I'm speaking of this. It was at a black club in Louisville at a black event. And it got violent that night. And man, I remember it was a girl that was in the club and she gets kicked out. And somebody kept talking about, I think it was Jam Master J's son's baby's mama. I can't, I know I'm not 100% sure, but that's who everybody told me it was. Man, she gets kicked out the club and she's outside out front, wilding out, yelling, screaming, cursing. And, like, you know, I told y'all, problems inside the club, that's for inside security. Problems outside the club, that's my job. So I move in to go handle this and calm this lady down. Next thing you know, boy, this heifer turns around. And catches me off guard and slaps the ever-loving life out of me. Like, I saw stars. She hit me so hard. And when I came to, boy, I was ready to lay upon her the mighty wrath and vengeance of the Lord Almighty. I was ready to say, oh, my God, I was so mad. Like, And I was dazed for a minute. And so I'm getting ready to lay into her. And I remember looking around, there was cameras. And this was pre-2020. Well, this was like 2014, 2015 or so. And I'm like getting ready to take this chick down. And I just remember her start yelling, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant. And I was like, well, it's your lucky day. And you know what? I didn't even arrest her that night. Because it was just a whole, whole, whole problem. Man, there was a crowd gathering. And it, oh, man, this was me being a young officer. And that, oh man, that I, if I could go back in time, oh, I definitely would have took her ass to jail. I should have that night, but man, I don't know why I decided not to. I just decided that the juice was not worth the squeeze that night. She got she got away with one. She got she got one off on your boy on that one. So she won on that one though. But overall, now I don't believe people should be putting their hands on anybody, men or women. But like I said before, you can't be a little lady or a little person and start something and expect expect people to just lay down and take it. Case of point, this happened at work yesterday. We get called to a store in the area I work. We get into the store, and the lady that's been assaulted is gone. And I'm talking to the other worker that's like, yeah, my coworker got, she got beat up. She got assaulted. And I'm like, what happened? This guy came in the store, and he was acting crazy. And then next thing you know, you know, he just, you know, he starts hitting her, and then he beats her with a bat. And I'm just like, what? I'm like, where is she at? Oh, she's already gone to the hospital. So my partner goes to the hospital to find the vic, uh, to find what we believe at that point in time is the victim. So my partner finds her. I'm talking to the witness at the store, the, the co-worker. And she's like, I got video. So I watched the video and I immediately recognized the, 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 the victim, quote unquote, victim from you know, working at the store. 
but I also recognize this victim from the streets as well. This individual, a tiny, tiny, tiny lady. I'm not going to say what race she is because I don't want to key in too much because the investigation is still open and ongoing, but there are going to be no charges, ladies and gentlemen. But I've ran into this person in the streets multiple times, and every time this person is always fighting somebody. And this is the same person that I've, the last person I I heard say, Officer, these hands is bisexual. Anybody can get it. Always out in the streets scrapping and fighting with people, man. She's in the streets. She's she's from the streets. She's, she's recently homeless. And so always fighting. No matter who it is, man. She ain't afraid to fight anybody. And hey, I respect that to a degree. I'm, I respect somebody that's willing to stand up for themselves and not let anybody walk on them. But you can't go out starting stuff. Or you got to realize when people start talking crap to you, sometimes you just got to walk away. It ain't worth it. But if all she if she's homeless and all she has is her pride and her honor, I, I mean, I kind of understand her wanting to fight people because that's just her norm. And that's all she has. So I watch the video. I see the guy, this giant black guy coming to the store, man. He starts popping off at the mouth, talking to them crazy. They tell him to leave. You can't be in here. Take you, you and your scooter leave. He doesn't like that. He starts yelling and calling all sorts of bitches and whores and man. She comes from behind the counter and looks at her, her looks at her uh, co-worker, hand me the bat, <laughs> gets the bat, walks forward to the guy with her arms out and extended with the bat in both hands. You know, the bat's laying horizontal and she walks up to the guy and starts pushing him with the bat like out of the store. And he shoves back and takes the and he grabs the bat from her. And the next thing you know, she squares up and she swings on this dude. And connects with him. Man, he clutches her, gets her in the clutch, and he's just starting to wear on her with his bat. Like, he's not like swinging for the fences, Wardy. He's like bringing it down across her back. And I'm just watching this video, like, no, she didn't. She did, man. Oh, she did, man. And so the next thing you know, he takes her down to the floor, and he's not hitting her. He's just sitting there chilling. And he's like, I, you can hear him, like, hey, you done yet? You done yet? And she's like, let me up, give me up, let me up. So he lets her up off the floor. He drops the bat on the floor, puts his hands up, and backs away. He don't want nothing else to do with it. He's done. Man, she gets up off the floor, picks up her pants, squares up. What's up? What's up? What's up? You can see, I'm like, oh, here she go again. Then her the other co-worker picks up the bat and gets into the <laughs> position like she's getting ready to swing. Yo, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this whole thing could have been avoided. Listen, you don't get to play the victim when you instigate stuff. And then when you get your ass whooped, you don't get to play. Oh, my God, I don't know what happened because I love as a cop when I go get these runs and I start investigating and I'm only getting like one fourth of the story. But the other three fourths of the story is very, very important. It paints the entire picture, you know, and the thing is they and, and in their minds, these people really think that they're they're the victims like they really think. Like, Homeboy was wrong for coming into the store and saying and doing what he did. He was 100% wrong. But he didn't put his hands on anybody. He should have left. He was trespassing. Yeah, of course. But they're not law enforcement. They can't physically remove this guy from the store. And they're told not to. Call the police. Nobody called the police until after the ass whipping had already been handed out. You know, so, <laughs> and the thing is, I, what the thing I like about the girl is that we talked to her about it. And she absolutely understands. And she knows. She was like, yeah. It is what it is. I was wrong. And so I, I respect that. You know, she didn't push back with like, no, I'm the victim. I'm the victim. 
Because like I said, she's clearly lived a hard life and she is a hard woman. And she, like I said, she's not afraid to scrap. Her hands is bisexual. Anybody can get it. And there goes that term again. Oh, let me get done with talking about this because I'm going to say it again because I hate it so much. But I just can't help but say it. (laughs) I will last say this. Keep your freaking hands to yourself, people. If you go looking for trouble, guess what? You are going to find it, okay? And when you do find that trouble, don't expect me to come and cuddle you and be like, man, what happened? It's okay, guy. It happens, man. You can't win them all, right? No, I'm going to tell you. You started, man. Ain't nothing here. The dude was defending himself. What do you want? A report? Okay, I'll write up a report, but guess what? You're going to be the suspect. He's going to be the victim. And usually when you say that, they're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't want to report, man. Just Let's just let it be done. And that's what we always want as police. Things typically usually work themselves out before we get there. But unfortunately, we have people that don't know how to function as adults in society. And so, therefore, we need and have to have the police. And I am proud to be a part of that response in taking care of the thousands upon thousands of people in Louisville that aren't able to function as adults that need the police to intervene and intercede on their behalf. It is my pleasure to do that for you all in this profession. And with that said, we're going to get ready to wrap up the show. Thank you all for coming back. I'm sorry for being gone for so long, but I have a couple of announcements. Well, not announcements. I want to make a couple acknowledgments. So as you all know, yesterday was 9-11. And my Lord, 21 years. The, the boat I was working on last night, the young kids that were on there working, which was super bizarre to me, the fact that there's like 16-year-old girls on a boat with this party going on and alcohol being served. And I mean, as long as they're not selling alcohol to the people, that's fine. But it was just super awkward, you know. But I was just asking them about 9-11, what they knew about it. Like, not a thing. You know, we are at that point in time in the generation where people have forgotten because people just don't know because they weren't alive. You know, 9-11 to them is no different than Pearl Harbor to me. I wasn't alive for Pearl Harbor, but I still know about it and understand it and understand how it kind of changed the world and the country. And so it's just so bizarre that there's so many people alive that just weren't around for it and don't know about it. Hell, most of the people, uh, some of the young officers I work with weren't alive for 9-11. <laughs> and I hear like some of them like, hey, what year were you born? Like, oh, you know, 1999. I'm like, my God. Or when I hear somebody was born in 2004, I was like, oh. I was in Iraq when you were born. <laughs> and I remember you guys used to say that to me about stuff. So, man, time goes by. But despite time going by, it is always important that we remember the significance of 9-11 in this country. And not just this country, but how it changed the world. And, you know, 9-11 is the exact reason why I decided to join the military. To go and fight for my country, my country's honor, my country's dignity, and for revenge. You know, when you see like 5,000 people perish at such a time and that's life changing and life altering. And I don't regard care how long goes by. This country should always remember incidents like this. Pearl Harbor, 9-11. That should always be with us, man, because there are people alive today that are going to be affected by that forever. And there are families forever changed because of that incident. So with that in mind, I want to take a moment of silence for all those who lost their lives 21 years ago. All right, rest in peace to all those who lost their lives on that day 21 years ago. And also, 
And I got to go to Gary, Indiana this weekend. We unfortunately lost a family member, my mom's sister, my Auntie Lagertha. Lived to be 84 years old, man. She passed away last weekend, and it's sad and it hurts, but I'll be honest, man. When I learn, when people that old pass away, it's a sad occasion, but it's also a joyous occasion because being able to live on this earth for 84 years, the things that you see in 84 years, I just can't imagine. And that's a beautiful thing to be able to have lived an entire full life and see multiple generations of the family that you have created. And that and that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I can only hope that I can get a good solid 84 years in. And that's that's spectacular. If I can get a healthy 20, 84 years in, I'd be OK with that. You know, I don't want to rag the 84 years for myself you know, where I'm like in a wheelchair bound, you know, like I'm out of my mind. And that's that's not living. That's not the type of life, quality of life I want to have. So you know, I'd rather go ahead and check out here early if that's the case, man. Just so. You know, we will be traveling to Gary, Indiana this weekend to lay my auntie to rest, man. God bless you, Auntie LaGertha. Love you. And I'm going to miss you. And all the family is. And and I mean, I lost a cousin last week as well in his funeral Friday in Milwaukee. I mean, this man, he was shot and killed in the streets at a club. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, man. And that's family. So, you know, that that hurts. But I'll be honest, I didn't know my cousin. I can't remember him because... My grandma and grandpa decided to have 19 freaking kids. And so <laughs> I have cousins I don't even know, cousins I've never met. I mean, I am from a very, very, very big family on my mama's side. And I'm still in touch with a lot of my mom's sisters and I always love and enjoy talking to them. But like I said, my family's kind of going through a hard time this current time with two big losses. And like I said, losing somebody at 84 versus losing somebody at 40, that's that's rough, man. That's that's going to be a lot of sorrow this weekend. Unfortunately, I'm not making it to my cousin's funeral in Milwaukee. But, you know, shout out to my family. My heart is with you all at this time. Wish I could be there, but unfortunately, I'm not. But I will be there this coming Saturday to lay our auntie to rest. And I hate going to funerals, but you know, got to go and pay proper respect. So, and so with that in mind, as we get ready to wrap up, I told you all earlier, I'm working on slowly trying to transition to having videos and trying to figure that whole world out, which is completely beyond me. But I have managed in the meantime to have my podcast transitioned in audio to YouTube. So if you want to hear the I Am Pitch podcast, all of my episodes have been finally uploaded over onto YouTube on the I Am Pitch channel. So go to YouTube and subscribe to that. I'll tell you all now, like I say, I'm still working on it. It's in order from um, oldest to newest, but there is one that's out of place. I don't know how it happened with the app I was using, but it's one episode. It's a crossover episode I did with Project Sapient. I don't know why that's the number one episode, but that is not the correct number order. The Who is Dexter Pitts is the first actual episode that should be on there. So just skip down to the second one, and that's the first episode in sequential order. And so, like I said, be sure to go there and subscribe. And like I said, just give me time to just work and transition <laughs> to try to do videos so you can see this ugly mug instead of just hearing this beautiful voice. Also, be sure to pick up my book, I Am Pitts, Memoirs of an American Patriot. It's available at IamPitts.com. Or if you want an autographed copy, drop me an email at IamPitts at Yahoo.com. And I'll tell you how to order from me directly an autographed copy. So the book. It's doing well. It's still selling. I'm very happy about that. And if you want to know more 
about my perspective, just kind of how I was going in at the beginning of the show on the black community and violence. My book kind of doesn't really give you that much detail into that portion of it, but it tells you why I have the views that I do. And I explained it to people in a little bit more in depth. So if you want to learn that and then definitely pick up my book and I'm tell, like I say in the book, people, I'm not doing this to harm or shame people. I'm just doing this to draw light to a problem into an issue. That's it. I don't believe in hurting or shaming people because I've been hurt and shamed a lot in my life and it's not a good feeling. And that is the last thing that I want to do is shame an entire race of people for a few knuckleheads mistakes. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to close this one out. Thank you all for tuning in to the I Am Pits podcast this week. So if you could, please go and rate the show on Apple iTunes or Spotify for me. All right. And leave me a review and a message. And if you have any questions that you would like me to answer about this episode or stuff going on, be sure to drop me an email as well at IamPits at Yahoo.com. And I'll try to get that back to you. All right. So thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Iron Pits podcast. And I will see you all on the next one.